Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. All right, good morning. Good to see everybody. Um, man, that was a good time in worship and communion. Love this. I love this. Thank you, worship team. They're amazing. Um, today, we are, um, we're going to begin a new series um, called Builders of the Wall. And I've been kind of uh, mulling over this question. I think we have an amazing church. I love what we have here. But I want to continue to lean and press into what it means to be a life-giving, spirit, Holy Spirit-empowered church. Amen? Are you guys interested in that? So I want to take a few weeks and uh, talk about that. If you're following my notes back there, um, we're at the, I'm skipping page two, so we're at the top of page three now, okay? So just so you know. Um, so if you have your Bibles, uh, I want you to open up to Ephesians chapter four. I want to do kind of an introductory uh, message today. And uh, I want to talk about um, what has been coined as the fivefold ministry. Some of you are familiar with that phrase, fivefold ministry. If you're not, you'll be familiar with it by the time uh, this service ends. But I want to talk about um, these spiritual um, offices today. So, what does a life giving, spirit empowered church look like? How many want that? Yes. Come on, you want that. Yes. Believe me. Okay. <laughs> I do. Come on, I don't want to come to a boring church. I want to come somewhere where the Holy Spirit's moving and people are empowered. Okay, so um, we're going to start in Ephesians 4. Uh, part, part one of this message is called the Fivefold Church. Um, Ephesians 4, uh, chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, it says this. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Okay? Uh, Let's jump down to verse 16. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's a picture of a a life-giving church. Healthy, growing, full of love. That's the kind of church we want to have. And that's the kind of body that we want to lead. All right? So uh, in order to do that, the Bible gives us this this model that we want to look at and consider and lean into, okay? Um, We have these five gifts that Jesus himself gave to the church. Now, these gifts are not, um, it, these are not the gifts of the Spirit. We talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Listen, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 13, 14. We're not talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the gifts, and these gifts are people themselves that operate in this special administration, these offices. Does that make sense? Okay. So these gifts are people that hold a special grace to build up the body of Christ, to build up the church. Okay. Um, now, if there's something that Jesus wants us to have, then he knows that we need these administrations for our good, for our maturity, and for our effectiveness. I want to be, be a mature believer in the Lord. Amen? I want to be an effective person in Christ. Okay? And so do you. Um, so I want to make a few points uh, about, these, about these verses. And again, this is just kind of an overview, introductory message to this series. We're going to get into some much more practical 
This is practical. We're going to get into some very practical things in the next few weeks. Um, let me make a few points about these verses. Um, point number one, I want to highlight that everyone is called to the ministry. Everyone's called to the ministry. You might be here and think, uh, I'm just, I'm going to church. No, listen, you don't go to church. You are the church. Okay. You are the church. The word, the word church is kind of uh, poorly uh, translated because when we think church, we always think of a building with four walls. Okay. The, the, the word church in the Bible is the word ecclesia. And it always speaks of a body of believers, of people. They are the, they're called, in fact, they're, they're called out, called out of the world into the body of Christ. That's God's ecclesia. It's not, it never speaks of a, a physical building. It speaks of a body of believers. Thank God for buildings. I love that we're in a building, especially when it's 100 degrees in the summer and zero degrees in the winter. We're thankful that we have buildings. But the building itself is not the point. The point is the body of believers. Amen? Okay. Ministry is everyone's responsibility. Okay, now you may not be called to be a pastor who stands on stage or a teacher or uh, a prophet or whatever. You might not be called that, but everyone is called to the ministry. Okay, Ephesians 4.12, it says this. Why do we have these apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists? Ephesians 4.12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying or building up of the body of Christ. Okay, that's what they're for. They're they're not, they don't do all the ministry. They equip the body for the ministry. Uh, the word ministry here, um, it means, it's, it's specific, this is cool. It specifically refers, for the believer, it specifically refers to spirit-empowered service guided by faith. That's what I want to be. I want to have spirit-empowered service guided by faith. So the, the apostle, prophet, teacher, pastor, evangelist equip the saints, that's all of us, for the work of the ministry, okay? For spirit-empowered service guided by faith. Okay, so let me ask a question. Do you want to, do you want to be Holy Spirit-empowered yeah. to do God's work? Yeah. Amen? And yes, it, it equals and it means work here at the church or work outside of the church. It can also operate in your workplace or in your family or in your relationships. I want to have the Holy Spirit in my relationships. I want to have the Holy Spirit at home. I want to have the Holy Spirit in the workplace, okay? So and it, it's the same with you guys. So the saints, God's people, are the ones called to do ministry. Um, it's not the job of the evangelist to do all of the evangelism. It's not the job of the evangelist to do all the evangelism. It's the job of the evangelist to equip the saints to do, to do evangelism. Okay? So evangelism is everyone's job. Okay? You may not know your job description today. I'm giving you. That's part of your job. To be an evangelist for Jesus. To tell people about Christ. That's part of our job. Okay? Um, uh, we, my wife and I have, um, before we were pastors here, we were college pastors, and I would have, I would have evangelists come in sometimes and speak to the group. We had, we had uh, Todd White, who's like an evangelist. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he's a cool guy. He's a good friend of mine. Todd White, who's just flows in amazing gifts of the Spirit, prays for people in public, people get healed, saved. We, but listen, we didn't bring Todd in to have the Todd White show. We brought Todd in to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And in fact, I'm not interested in anyone coming up here to put their gift on display. I want people to come up here so they equip the body of Christ to do the work of the ministry. Okay? Amen. Come on. Oftentimes, you have churches with one dynamic leader, and everything hinges on that one dynamic leader. In five full churches, everyone has a part to play. Everyone has a role, okay? 
Um, our mission statement is this as a church. If you've gone through our Belong class, you, you, you would have heard this. Uh, our mission statement is we exist to light up our world with the love of Jesus. How do we do that? This is our strategy. We encounter God. We don't encounter him. We empower people, or another word for that would be equip, equip you to serve, and then we shine God's love. Okay? It's never been our intent to make this the Kurt and Emily show. And it never will be in our tent, intent to make this the Kurt and Emily show. We want this to be the Jesus show. And in order to do that, we want to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And, you, and some of that ministry happens here. And some of that ministry happens out in your lives and your world. Okay? So, um, so that's point number one. Everyone's called to the ministry. If you don't see yourself that way, you need to see yourself that way. You're called to share Jesus. You're called to do the work of the ministry. Okay. Uh, point number two. Uh, I'll camp on this one for a little while. The fivefold administrations will be in operation until Jesus returns. Until Christ returns. The apostle, prophet, teacher, pastor, and evangelist are going to be here until Jesus returns. We often talk about the fact that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today, but we don't always emphasize that these fivefold offices are here today and they are for the building up of the church until Christ returns to take his bride home. As long as there is a church here on earth, Jesus has sent these people, these individuals with a special grace on their life to help build up, edify the church. Ephesians 4.13 says, how long do we have these people? Until we all, everyone say all. That's an important word. Until we all reach unity. Everyone say unity. Okay, I'm just going to pause right there. Until we all reach unity. How many know there's really only one body of Christ? There's not many, okay, so there's not many heads. Christ is the head of the church, right? There aren't many heads. There's one head, so there's going to be one body. So those are the body believers all around the earth, and, and many of them are different denominations and different things. If, if you have your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus, you invite him into your heart, I, I think by definition you would be my brother or sister, no matter what denomination you're part of, right? Okay. So, gosh, where am I going with that? Um, okay, all, yeah, all. But are we all in perfect unity? No, we're not all in perfect unity. And, okay, so until we all reach the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Are we all mature? No. We're working on it, right? That's a process. And then here we go. Here's the slam dunk. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Okay. All measuring up to the complete standard of Christ. I can't think of one person that measures up to the fullness, to the complete standard of Christ. You might think Pastor Kurt has it all together. Just ask my wife. She knows I don't, right? She lives with me. Okay, ask my kids. Ask my wife. I don't have it all together. Okay, I don't know one person that measures up to the fullness of the standard of Christ. Okay, so these administrations will be here on earth equipping the saints until Jesus comes back. Um, And here's the deal. There's not one scripture in the New Testament that says that these special offices have ceased to exist. Um, I think it's funny that all Christians will probably acknowledge that there's teachers, pastors, and evangelists. Those are like the three we're comfortable with, right? Um, where, where people struggle oftentimes is the word apostle or prophet. It's like, well, what are you doing? What are you doing, apostle? Okay. Um, but I just want to say, you can't just cherry pick the three out of the five that you're comfortable with. You can't just be like, uh, I like those first three. Those make me uncomfortable, so I'm going to ignore those and say they were for something in the past, okay? You can't cherry pick the ones that you're not comfortable with or don't understand, okay? Um, how many know that it's, it's not okay, 
it's not okay to add to scripture. It's not okay to, to uh, add new scripture and say these are the, you know, the words of canonized scripture. Um, prophet, modern day prophets and modern day apostles, they don't add to scripture. They have, what they say and do has to be in agreement with what is written in the, in the word of God. In fact, if they say something contrary to what's written in the word of God, that's a good way to label someone as a false prophet or false apostle. Okay. Um, which the Bible does warn us about. Um, so in other words, you're not going to find it. What you're not going to find in the Bible, you're not going to like, you know, you know, Jude here, he's a young man. He's in high school, homeschool, high school, whatever you want to call it. Um, but let's, let's say he's trying to find God's will for his life. He's not going to find a scripture and be like, Jude is called to be an architect. You know, that's not in the Bible. Right? So what do, you, what do we have to do? We have to be able to discern God's voice for ourselves. And, and sometimes um, that word of the Lord can come through a prophet or someone like that. Um, so we can know God's will for us. Okay, so it's not okay to add to Scripture, but I want to say this as well. It's also not okay to take away from Scripture. And a lot of the people that are afraid that someone is adding to the words of God, like don't add to the words, you know. Is God speaking today? Yes, he's speaking today. They're afraid of that. But what they may be equally as guilty of is taking away from scripture. Okay. Because they don't understand something or they're not comfortable with something. And so I'm going to, I want to talk a little bit about this word apostle and I want to teach on it a little bit and kind of sensitize and desensitize at the same time to this, to this phrase. Because people hear that word and automatically what they think of is they get a little nervous because they think, you know, okay, we're going to be all about titles now. And I'm going to have a name tag and my business card is going to say apostle this or apostle that. And it's all about the name. And then they picture some hierarchy structure and okay, here's the apostle. And um, he's on the top and there's no accountability in this person's life and he can just do whatever he wants. Okay. That's what a lot of times people picture. And then he flies in jets and drives really nice cars and lives in a really big house. Okay. So that's not what we're, well, I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to judge anyone, but that's not what we're talking about, okay? Um, let, me look, let me show you the definition of apostle. Uh, apostle in the Bible, it means to commission or to send forth um, uh, someone sent or commissioned, focusing back on the authority of the sender. Focusing back, so that's commissioning, focusing back on the authority of of the sender. So I just want to say, by definition, an apostle focuses back on the authority of the one who sent them. And yes, Jesus has sent them, but many times these individuals are sent by a body of believers or, or a particular church, and they're supposed to focus back on the authority sent to them, uh, that they're sent in. Um, in practical terms, if, if you read the book of Acts, you all these, all these terms and these titles being thrown around, if you read the book of Acts, you can see in practical terms how they played out. Uh, if you read, like Acts 15, for example, you've got the apostles coming together and there's this council. And what you don't see is a strict hierarchical like structure with one guy and he makes all the decisions. What you actually see is a mutual humility and submission as they process these things, as they process these questions that the early church had to answer. And they're submitting to one another. And in fact, they're rebuking one another, Okay. So the apostle isn't the person who just like has no accountability structure in their whole life. Like he doesn't answer to anyone or she doesn't answer to anyone. 
the apostle, they, they are submitted. And modern day prophets, same thing. They're submitted and they have friends that speak into their lives. They're, they're, they are capable of receiving correction and rebuke, right? Like we all should, <laughs> right? We should all be in that category because none of us are perfect. None of us are beyond needing to be rebuked or corrected. And so same thing with the apostle. They should be uh, submitted, have a mutual humility and submission um, in their community. Um, the word apostle is actually a borrowed word from the Romans. So the early church, they didn't, it's not like a Hebrew word. It doesn't have its roots um, in Hebrew scripture. It's actually a borrowed word from the Romans in Greek culture because they didn't have a, a really good uh, word for it. And so the borrowed word um, from the Romans, um, this is what would happen. The Romans would conquer a new territory. And then they would send a, uh, they'd conquer new territory. You know, the Roman Empire is always expanding and they had these territories that were huge. And they would send a representative to make that, to take that newly conquered territory to look and to feel like the culture of the Roman Empire. And so um, were they, so aesthetically it would look like the Roman Empire and it would feel like the Roman Empire. And then and the, they were, they were, what were they doing? They were culturizing the newly conquered territory to Rome's influence, okay? And so, um, now, those of you who, um, if you've gone to Israel, you will see, like, there's certain, like Caesarea by the Sea, for example, it was a, it was a Roman-built city, and there's other cities that are Roman-built cities. They all look very similar. They all have very similar themes in them. Uh, many of them have, like, an amphitheater, um, which very much resembles, like, the Colosseum that you would see back in Rome. So if you visit these different Roman um, cities from the ancient world, they all have a, a look and feel similar. Why? Because there was an apostle sent to them, a representative to culturize that area, to look and to feel like Rome and to, and to infuse it with the culture of Rome. Um, so apostles are culturized. And I would say it like this. Um, maybe one of the jobs of the apostles is to um, be connected with, with the culture of heaven. Jesus said this. Jesus said, in this way, pray. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? So there's this idea of when we pray that prayer, this idea of bringing that reality to this one, right? We want, we want um, heaven's culture to be infused into our, our culture, amen? So part of that, just putting a little more meat on the bone of what, what the uh, nature of an apostle, apostle's anointing is. Again, it's not about titles. We're not, I don't really care. We're we're not going to start calling someone apostle, so-and-so, and prophet, so-and-so. I don't really care about that. But what we do want to know and honor is a grace and anointing on people's lives to walk in something. Why? Because it will build up, edify, strengthen the church. We're going to be more effective and full of love and power. So um, let me give you a couple examples of what maybe an apostle looks like. Um, when, I was, <laughs> when I was in ministry for one year, so I, I came into ministry in 2008, and in 2009, I led, I'd never been on a mission trip before. I led the first mission trip that I'd ever been on. So I'm this new pastor. I don't know much. And I led a mission trip to, to Vietnam. This church, these churches in Vietnam, after uh, America pulled out in the 70s, is that when we finally got out? Pulled out of the 70s. All these churches, um, unless they wanted to be state-run churches, they had to go underground in order to continue to operate. So, you know, 30, 40 years ago, they went underground, and these generals of the faith have been, like, going at this for 40 years, and then I skated into town. I'm like, I've been a pastor for one year, you know? <laughs> 
and uh, <laughs> the, the missionary that we were working with there, she, she lives stateside, but she visits Southeast Asia a lot. And she goes, they're going to hear you're an American, they're going to hear your pastor, and they're going to ask you to preach. That's just what they do. You show up, they're going to ask you to preach. So you better have something ready. And I'm just thinking, what am I going to offer these people? Like, they have genuine, like, okay, so like, one of these guys um, very much operated in the anointing of apostle. He founded and planted churches all over Vietnam. We'd go found a church, and he would start it up, and he would go move on, stay in relationship with that pastor. He would move on and found another church, stay in relationship with that pastor. He'd raise up pastors and bouncing all over, starting these new works of the Lord. That is very apostolic in nature. He was, he was an apostle. Okay, and I just like, I have nothing to offer you, you know. I've been in ministry for one year, so. Um, but God helped me. It was good, so. Um, how many of you know um, David Blanchard? He's a, he's a missionary to uh, uh, Nuevo Laredo, Mexico, so just on the other side of Laredo, uh, Texas. And he has trained and equipped, I, I would say, at least hundreds. No, it's definitely got to be in the area of thousands of ministers of the gospel. They have a Bible school there. People come from Mex- all over Mexico. He trains and equips them, and then they go out and they start churches. Okay, that is very much apostolic. That is an apostolic anointing, okay? Now, we don't... We don't call, when we see David Blanchard, we don't be like, hey, Apostle David, how you doing? You know, we don't call him Apostle David, but that's very much apostolic, what he's doing. Okay, it's very apostolic. When we had, um, when we had Bob Hazlett here, Bob Hazlett operates in the office of the prophet. prophet. Um, we don't call him Prophet Bob. Hey, Prophet Bob, how's it going, Prophet Bob? You, know, you can call him Prophet if you want, but it's not really important. Um, but he operates... In that anointing. Again, we didn't bring Bob here to have the Bob show to watch Bob do his amazing gift. Okay? We didn't, that's not why we brought him here. Yes, it was great that we all, a lot of us received great ministry. We brought Bob here to help us hear, uh, learn how to hear God's voice and discern his voice, right? And to flow in the prophetic and learn, learn these kind of things. Okay? So it's not, about, uh, it's not about the title, it's about the anointing that we're after. Um, so you could say it like this Apostles are leaders of leaders. Uh, many times they're pastors, uh, they're pastor of pastors. Um, these individuals start movements and lead them. Um, I would say like Amy Simple McPherson in the early uh, 19, 1920s, she founded the Foursquare denomination. Amy Simple McPherson very much operated in the apostolic anointing. Um, every, I'll say this too, every major denomination has a person with an apostolic gift that started it even if that denomination doesn't believe in apostles. <laughs> they're just, they're operating something and they're not recognizing what it actually is. I, I, I even think there's people who preach against yeah. there being apostles and that person's an apostle. I'll give you an example. John MacArthur doesn't believe in modern day apostles, but he's an apostle. The leadership level he has and the people he influences is apostolic. So go tell him I said that, all right? Okay, so we get kind of spooky, like, oh, someone has to put this apostle in front of their name. We don't, culturally in America, we don't really do that, and it's not really important to do that. Other parts of the, uh, the world I've gone to in Brazil and Vietnam, different, different things, people do, like, this is apostle so-and-so, and this is pastor so-and-so, and this is prophet so-and-so, and it's a little more palatable. But it's not really important that we do that, but it's important that we recognize and have these offices in operation in our midst, okay? All right. 
Um, so I would argue that apostles have existed for the last 2,000 years. Many times we never place that official title on someone. Uh, John Calvin would probably be in that title. Um, Martin Luther, like the, the Re- Reformation of, uh, of Martin Luther, all that that happened, that was apostolic in nature. Now, um, so I'm, I'm studying this and in, 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 you know, looking into this this week. And in my Bible, in Ephesians 4, there's this little thing here that I ended up crossing out on the study portion because it's not right. But it says this. Um, the first part is actually fine. It says this. Apostles, meaning envoys or ambassadors, in its strict sense refers to those who saw Christ in resurrected form, performed miracles, and were specially chosen by Christ to tell others about him from their eyewitness account. Okay, that right there is a good definition of the, the OT, the original 12, right? <laughs> that is a good definition of the original 12. And there is a special place, and a special place for the original 12. It talks about in the book of Revelation that there's the foundation stones of the New Jerusalem, and on those foundation stones are written the names of the 12 apostles. Okay, so there is a separate category for the OT, the original 12. But that doesn't mean that the anointing of an apostle died with the early church. Um, and so after it says this, um, it says, um, those especially chosen by Christ to others about their eyewitness account. As such, there's no apostles today. I was like, I don't agree with that. And I crossed it out in my study, study portion of my Bible. Now, l- let, me, let me give you some more reasons why I don't believe that's true. Th- number one, there's no scripture that says that. Um, number two, the Bible does not just list the original 12. There's actually, um, there are many apostles are referenced in the New Testament, but there's specifically named 25 different apostles that are named in the New Testament. 25 different named apostles. Others are referenced to, okay? Um, so there's 13 more listed in the Bible than the original 12. And some of them never saw Jesus. Some of those apostles never saw Jesus, but they were called an apostle in the Bible. Okay, so there are 24 men and one woman. Ladies, come on. So 24 men, one woman uh, listed. Um, But I just want to say this. Uh, So there's 25 apostles named in the New Testament. There's 11 prophets named. It references others. Um, It talks about teaching a lot, but there's only four teachers that are named in the New Testament. There's one named evangelist in the New Testament. That'd be Philip. Okay, one named evangelist. And how many pastors do you think they're named in the New Testament? Zero. It doesn't name one. It talks about the gift, the gift of pastor, the office of the pastor, but it doesn't name one of them. Now, the point I'm just saying is like the Bible, we, we, what do we do today? We, we emphasize the opposite. We really emphasize the office of the pastor. Now I happen to be a pastor. Maybe I'm partial to pastoring and I'm a teacher and I'm a pastor. Um, but what we do oftentimes is we just emphasize the pastoral gift because we're kind of comfortable with the shepherd, you know, because the shepherd just wants to get people together and love them and stay here. And how are you doing? You know, my wife's honestly more pastoral than I am even. Um, and my giftings are slightly different, but that's what the pastor wants. He wants to get everyone together. And the evangelist is the opposite. Like, don't stay here. Get out there. Right. <laughs> the pastor's coming here. Evangelist says, go out there. All right. All right, so anyway, but they balance each other. We need that balance. We need those, those in cooperation. Um, so it's not about the title. It's about the anointing. We want to train and equip people, and we all need all of these um, offices in operation, okay, whether we 
give someone the title or not. Okay, now what, rightfully so, what a lot of people get um, um, their, their fear is that the Bible does warn about false prophets. Jesus himself warned about false prophets. In the last days, there will be false prophets. Um, in the book of Revelation, it talks about uh, to one of the seven churches, it says you have, um, there's those who have called themselves apostles and are not, and you've proven them not to be apostles. And he, Jesus is actually commending them for, re, you know, for calling out false apostles. Okay, so there are warnings in scriptures. We're not going to say anyone who thinks or says they're an apostle is an apostle or a prophet, obviously. There's many ways to test those people and make sure that they're operating in a grace. My personal opinion is that I want to see someone operating in that grace maybe for years, maybe for years until we officially say, like, that person's that, you know, and we teach on it, and you all recognize, oh, yeah, that person's been doing it for years, you know. So it's not about the title. It's about the anointing that we're after. But what I want to say about the scriptures, Jesus could have very easily handled this. If there, were no, if, there were, if there would never be any more prophets after the time of the Bible or no apostles, Jesus could have very easily handled this. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't say this. He didn't say, after whatever time, there will be no more prophets. He said, look out for false prophets. What does that imply? It implies that there are real prophets. And if, and if there's a warning about false prophets, what does that imply? It, it implies, uh, I'm sorry, if there's warnings about false apostles, what does that imply? That there are real apostles. Jesus could have very easily said, here's my disciples, here's my, my, my apostles, and after this, it's done. Okay, just the warning itself implies that the real thing is actually, actually exists. Okay, so it's important to talk about, yeah, we should test. We should test prophecy. The Bible says to test Test prophecy and, and weigh it and weigh carefully. We shouldn't just take everything anyone says. If someone gives you a prophetic word for your life, make sure it bears witness with you. Make sure it's scriptural. Like, I'm not saying just hook, line, and sinker, take all of this, you know. We want to be careful. But, but what we're doing many times in the church is we're throwing out the baby with the bathwater and we're missing out on an amazing thing that God has for us. Okay, so that's point two. Uh, therefore, today. Uh, my last point, point three is that Christ himself gave these gifts. It says Christ himself gave these gifts. Um, that I'll just reference it real quick because we just read it. Now these are the gifts. This is Ephesians 4.11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Okay? Um, but this is what I want to say. These gifts, these people, are a, um, are a manifestation of Jesus' ministry. Okay? They're a manifestation of Jesus' ministry. Uh, you could say it like this. Jesus took his ministry and he divided it into five categories. Like he took himself and he divided it into five categories. And, or, or you could say it like this. There's five facets of Christ's ministry that he gave to the church. Now, I think it's, why didn't he give one person all of this? I think there's probably a good reason for that. And that's because one person operating in all of those offices would probably become a prideful person. The, the opportunity to be prideful, to just be clicking on all the cylinders and hearing all this from heaven, the opportunity for that would probably arise very quickly um, for pride. And so Jesus, it's his ministry that he's um, divided out into different facets. Okay, uh, I'll give you an example, and we have a picture of this. Um, it's like, it's like a, a prism um, separates light. Now, in solid light and sunlight and white light, all of these colors exist. 
the, the, the blues, the reds, the yellows, the greens, the orange, all those exist in white light. What the prism does is separates them and their con, you know, constituent parts. Okay, it's, it's like that. This is what Jesus did um, for us. He divided those gifts. Um, and he also did, I think he also did this. He also gave a, the diversity of spiritual gifts in the body and a diversity of um, these uh, leadership so that we need each other. He set this up in such a way that we, I need what you have. You need what I have. You need what the person across me has. And it's his brilliance that he set it up this way. This is why we're a body. We need each other. We build one another up. Okay. He wanted it to be that way. He didn't want just one individual to be um, everything to everyone. Okay. So um, these are Jesus', Jesus ministries. Uh, so I'll break these down real quick. Jesus is the greatest apostle that ever lived. Amen. Hebrews 3.1, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Okay, he's our great high priest, but he's the greatest apostle who ever lived. How many know Jesus was the greatest prophet to ever live? Hebrews 1, 1 through 2, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he had appointed heir of, of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. Okay? Jesus is the greatest prophet who ever lived. How many know Jesus was the greatest teacher that ever lived? Matthew seven twenty-eight through 29. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. Okay, Jesus taught with authority. Not as, he's the greatest teacher of all time. Um, the, word, the word authority, the root of the word authority is author. Okay, the root of the word authority is author. Jesus is the author of truth. He's the author of the Bible. He's the author of creation. Okay, so he, he, when you want to have the foremost authority on any book, you talk to the author. That's going to be the foremost authority on any book. Um, who is the author of Cat in the Hat? So who would be the foremost authority on Cat in the Hat? <laughs> Dr. Seuss, okay. Uh, who is the author of The Adventures of Tom Sawyer? Mark, Mark Twain. So who would be the foremost authority on the adventures of Mark Twain? Or on the adventures of Tom Sawyer? Mark Twain, okay. I think you get it. Uh, who's the author of Romeo and Juliet? Shakespeare. William Shakespeare. So he would be the foremost authority on Romeo and Juliet. Who was the author of Pride and Prejudice? Wrong, the devil. <laughs> Inspired by Satan himself. <laughs> okay. All right. <clears throat> okay. The reason why Jesus could teach with authority was because he's the author. He's the author of life, author of creation, author of the Bible, author of truth. Jesus was the greatest pastor to ever live. John, John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. Pastor just means shepherd, by the way. I am the good shepherd. My sheep, um, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Okay, that's some shepherd right there. 
Jesus was the greatest evangelist to ever live. Some evangelists travel over land and sea to, uh, to tell others about the gospel. Jesus laid down his heavenly glory to come to this world to tell us the way to the Father and the way to heaven. Philippians 2, uh, 5 through 9 says this, Your attitude should be the kind that was shown us by Jesus Christ, who, though he was God, did not demand and cling to his rights as God, but he laid aside his mighty power and glory, taking the disguise of a slave and becoming like men. And he humbled himself even further, going so far as to actually die a criminal's death on a cross. Yet it was because of this that God raised him up to the heights of heaven and gave him a name which is above every other name. Jesus, Jesus gave up his heavenly glory, came to this world as the greatest evangelist who's ever lived to tell us, you and I, the way to the Father. That's a pretty great evangelist right there. So you could say it like this. Jesus took himself, his ministry, and subdivided it 20%, 20%, 20% in five different categories. Apostle, prophet, teacher, pastor, evangelist. If we only embrace the pastor, the teacher, and evangelist, we're missing out on 40% of Jesus' ministry to the body of Christ. Okay, This is why we want to embrace and be okay with these other giftings, whether we label them or not. Okay, We just want to recognize the anointing on someone's life. Okay, And, and they all need to be accountable. Everyone needs to be accountable. Everyone, no one's above rebuke. Okay, No one's above accountability. Um, so that's important to say. <laughs> um, is it possible that there's so much infirmity, immaturity, and sin in the body of Christ because we've only embraced 60% of Christ's ministry to the body of Christ? Okay, uh, and I'll give one more illustration here and we'll, we'll wrap up. Um, another, I've heard it said that people will talk about the fivefold ministry like a hand. Okay, you've got your apostle, prophet, teacher, pastor, evangelist. I don't know, there's people who talk about each finger and what they all represent, but let's just say it's like a hand. Okay, when they're functioning together, it's a beautiful thing. A hand can gently lead, right? A hand can, can you know, embrace someone. Um, a hand can be made into a fist and give a devastating blow to our enemy, amen? A hand can build something amazing. And in this case, the thing that God wants to build is the body of Christ. He wants us to be built up, edified for the work of ministry. Amen? Okay, so to conclude, I'll just, um, so yeah, again, this is just kind of an introductory message to this series. Um, we're going to swing um, pretty far the other direction ne- uh, next week. We're going to get into some just very practical things that the Lord's been revealing to me of what a life-giving church looks like. And I just kind of want to go there. But I wanted to open up with the fivefold ministry. If you didn't know what it is, this is that's what it is. Um, but again, it's not about the title. It's about the anointing these five balance each other and they should be accountable to one another. Okay, so no one should be operating rogue on their own. But this is what I've seen. This is where where churches have gone wrong. They read this verse and they're like, okay, we need an apostle, a prophet, teacher, pastor, evangelist. Who's pastor? Okay, you're the pastor. Okay, you be the prophet. And now we need an apostle. Yep, you're the apostle. And they kind of like force this. They kind of force it. And then it's like, it just doesn't work well. But if, you, if a church is just open to it, this, God does it organically. And I would say that this is happening in many churches, whether they realize it or not, because God's doing it anyway. Okay, many times these gifts are in operations, whether people recognize them or not. They don't have to be spooky and dangerous and all that stuff. So don't worry about that, okay? 
All right, so it's going to be good. I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll close. Um, why don't you guys stand to your feet, and we'll pray for you. I'm going to have prayer counselors come down this morning. If you need prayer for anything going on in your life, we are honored to partner with you and pray with you and um, stand with you. These guys are ready to go. And so, yeah, let's pray. Jesus, we love you. God, we just save all these gifts. They should all point to you. They should all point to Christ. They should all bring glory and honor to your name, Lord. And they should bring love and they should be operating in love, Lord. And so I just pray, Holy Spirit, that we as a body would be full of love, fully operating in love, and that we would build and strengthen one another because, God, there's a world out there that you want to love on. There's a world out there you want to um, know your name and to, and to be radically saved, Lord God. So help us um, to be your hands and your feet, the body of Christ in this world. Uh, God, I thank you for this church. We love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. All right, God bless you guys. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support, and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church, where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.